host, Natalia, back for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I'm here with choreographer, director, producer extraordinaire, Galen Hooks. Galen, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Uh, as Natalia said, I am a dancer, choreographer, director. I am based in L.A. and have been working in the entertainment industry since I was seven years old and have transitioned through the multiple rungs of the ladder of the <laughs> entertainment industry. But um, I now also own my own business called The Galen Hooks Method that is a uh, a series of dance intensives, live experiences, master classes where I share everything that I've learned over the course of my career with dancers of any ability from beginners to professionals and age ranges from 10 years old to 60 years old. So that is now um, what I share my time with. Awesome. Uh, so the first way that I got introduced to you was a friend posted a video of yours and I was like, this is incredible. I'm going to tear up. Um, and it was to, uh, it was to hers, uh, best part with Daniel oh. and, um, it was the interracial couple. And I was like, what is, is this like a, is this like a wedding dance choreo? Like what is, and so I had to, <laughs> so I had to learn more and come to find out it's like part of this whole series of things. Um, and I was, I was hooked. I was immediately hooked. I was like, this is beautiful. And I was like, I need to know more about what this is. And then obviously that came to, to learning about you um, and kind of your whole thing of like acting through dancing. Um, yeah. Which I love. The, the, the acting. So the video you're talking about is very heavily acting based. And um, I have, I think maybe, I don't know if outgrown is the right word, but, I, but since I've been dancing for so, so, so long, and when I say I've been working in the, in the entertainment industry since I was seven, I started dancing when I was three, and I have taken more dance classes than <laughs> I can count uh, on my hands, obviously. So um, it's kind of been uh, a result. Adding a lot of acting into my dance classes has been uh, not really intentional it's just really based off of curiosity about how to push the form um so there there is now I'm literally teaching classes that are called acting based classes <laughs> and some of them we don't we're not moving our feet really at all you stand in one place and you emote with gestures and facial expressions and um a lot of people I know are like how is this a dance class? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to not name it that even anymore. Just say it's an acting based routine. It's an acting based lip sync routine. It's just a lip sync routine. You know, it's like, how do we redefine this? But yeah, that, that, um, I don't know if that was leading into a question about the kind of acting influence, but certainly there's a lot in that particular routine. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to ask about that because it's, it is definitely like this new, it's something I'm not used to seeing when I like, you know, spend hours on the YouTube looking at dancing yeah. videos it's it really is just like about acting out kind of the words of the emotion um and being like you're happy now you're sad like and not just going kind of with the vibe of this song so kind of like what pushed you you know like in that direction versus like doing a more traditional kind of dance routine I guess is the word yeah I I really really am passionate about finding people's strengths and uh, having them presented 
having any person really presented in a dance space in a way that highlights what their strengths are. And I've seen and taught thousands and thousands of people in every corner of the globe with all different dance abilities. And it is so obvious and apparent to me now not having taught traditional dance to those people that Mm -hmm. every single person is capable of making you cry, making you laugh, uh, being, making your jaw just drop no matter their dance ability and doing these, if I were teaching, and I, I also do teach very advanced, difficult choreography when I'm training professional dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like kind of run the gamut in what I teach, but certainly the acting-based classes, it provides an opportunity for anybody. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you used to dance when you were younger or you kind of always wanted to get into it, but you didn't really ever take the leap or you just love to move around, but you're not good at choreography. There's a lot (laughs) of people in in that bucket where it's like, Oh, I can't do the eight counts, but I wish I could just dance and have fun. Mm -hmm. Doing the acting based routines allows for anybody to feel like they have a place in movement. So that best part routine, for example, I taught it on Valentine's day last Mm -hmm. year, uh, which was was my final class before the pandemic hit, which was ironic because it's a partner duet and it's all about physical connection. And we had, um, we had professional dancers who brought their significant others who weren't dancers. We had like 60 year old couples who came who hadn't really? danced oh, in 40 years. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it was really, uh, I guess that's like the real life example of um, people who normally wouldn't go take a dance class that you would see when you're scrolling on TikTok or Instagram. That's like very choreography heavy. You can do a routine like the, the best part routine, um, no matter your skill level or age. So it, uh, it broadens the spectrum of who can participate and democratizes it a bit. So for, so for like the best part, Eugene, you said like, you know, you had people from like all different backgrounds. Now, um, I know the one that I first watched, it was, it was people who like hadn't met each other, but when yes. I watched it, I was like, Oh, so like, this is choreo for like at their wedding or like they like known <laughs> each other for six years. You know what I mean? But it was just folks that you were like, all right, you, t-. so were you kind of just like you two get up, you know, the dances like, yeah. So part, so part of the, part of my goal for that class was to number one, I really, really wanted people to dance with a partner of the same sex. And I really wanted people to, um, just dance with someone who was completely different from them. Because mm-hmm. almost always when you see dance duets, mm-hmm. they are portraying a very one particular type of either love or intimacy. And it's, um, I, I really wanted to f- force the students <laughs> to have to be uncomfortable with the person that they were mm. dancing with. Cause that's, that's the point of an acting class is like, how yeah. do you, how do you pretend you're in love with this person that you don't know? So for that particular couple, I had seen each of them separately being amazing in the class. And we, they, everyone in the class rotated partners pretty mm-hmm. regularly. And so I, yes, I call, I like specifically called out the two of them to dance together. And it's a, I, I don't even, they were so beautiful together. It's, oh. it's very, it's so <laughs> impressive, even to me as a teacher, when I know that they've learned the choreography, you just, you never know what's really going to happen in the moment, but mm-hmm. they did exactly what was asked of them. And it looks, I mean, it looks like they're in love. <laughs> it's, it's like, do, I'm like, I honestly not going to lie. Sometimes just go back to watch the video when you want to feel something. You're just like, oh. <laughs> 
if yeah, it feels like there's hope in the world, and certainly that, yeah. that was before um, all of the uh, racial injustice that we were dealing with last year. And when I watch that video, I'm like, we're okay. Like there is there there is beauty in the world, and seeing an interracial couple dancing. So oh, and I, I don't know if I said this in the caption. I might have said it in one of them, but I gave them the scenario. I said. Um, let's pretend this is a, a movie musical and you are playing two kids in the 60s and you're stealing a moment away in an alley somewhere where you know you can have time together and you know that this is a fleeting moment and you have to go back to your separate world. So it was certainly teed up in that way for them. Mm-hmm. And the way they just uh, tackled it was uh, it's just beautiful. To me, that's that's really like the magic in, in storytelling because and in art. Um, and I didn't realize that power prior where all of those elements kind of come together, where collectively we're going through something as a society and things that you look at that aren't comments on what's happening. Like that piece mm-hmm. is certainly not a comment on police brutality, for example, Yeah, but it's something that um, is valuable in that it gives us hope, helps us escape, um, helps us understand things and see things we typically wouldn't see. There are a lot of people who just haven't even seen an interracial couple dance together like that <laughs> in an intimate way. Yeah. You know, it might be like something fun where they're just kind of doing the electric slide, but not having an intimate moment together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot kind of to unpack about the context of those classes and I guess the people's resonance with them online. But yeah, it's very, it's, it's fascinating to me and I'm excited to keep, learning and growing with what the possibilities are for representing uh just representation I guess in general through dance yeah because I I think also you do an, an incredible job just like of like watching of watching you dance it's like it's all in your face I mean obviously there's movements happening because <laughs> yeah. dance but like <laughs> But for me, it's also, like, looking at your face and seeing the intentionality and, like, the feeling of it that I think really engrosses you in it. And that's why I, like, I love, you know, watching those videos online, like, of of people, like, who love dance and that's, like, their passion because they, the, the hits, I was like, I never did that when I was dancing, so... Clearly yeah. that was not my gift, but this is their gift. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I thought it was beautiful. Thanks. The, the, um, the, so I, I literally teach classes now called how to use your face. And, <laughs> um, I'm, you know, that, that's, a, that's an expansion on trying to reimagine what dance classes look like, certainly from my end, because like I said, there's like, you, for me as a teacher, you can only teach choreography so long before you're like, what else is there? Yeah. What's missing? And I see so many dancers who lack, they don't understand how to use their face. Mm-hmm. They don't, um, they're afraid to use their face and they don't recognize that it is make or break. You could be, the way I always put it is like from the neck down, you can be perfect. But Mm -hmm. if your face isn't on point, it doesn't matter that you're perfect from the neck down Mm because you might look like you're nervous or you're scared or a lot of people have resting bitch face, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, And vice versa. And again, this goes to my really strong belief that anybody can be compelling as a dancer. If you are expressive in your face, but from the neck down, you may be, you might be injured. You might not be flexible. You might not be great at picking up choreography, all of those kinds of things, but your face is the thing that can make us 
fall in love with you and be mm-hmm. again, just like on pins and needles watching. So, uh, I, I obviously value facial expression when I'm dancing, but I certainly also value it as a teaching tool for people who, um, I think like another really important component of using your face is if you ever, if you've ever taken a dance class and you're stressed the whole time and you yeah. leave the class going, I wasn't very good. I messed that up. Oh, that step wasn't right. That is the, um, that's the opposite of what my goal for my students is to feel. And mm-hmm. I, I want you to feel like you're on a high when you're done with a dance class and mm. liberated and free and your face, if you had done the exact same class and messed up the exact same steps, <laughs> but had your face expressing the odds are you're going to leave that class feeling so much more light and free mm-hmm. just because you let your face express. So yeah. it's, it's using your face as a dancer is much more than just a, a performance kind of box to tick. Mm-hmm. It's really important kind of psychologically. And obviously these days with social media, if you are pursuing a dance career, um, it really matters when you're filming, like what your face looks like on, on camera. So kind of across all those boards, facial expression is really, mm-hmm. really important. So I want to take it back a little bit to, like, the beginning. Like, you know, baby Galen, seven years old, starting out on these <laughs> mean streets of Hollywood. Um, why? Why did you want to dance? You know, when you got into the entertainment industry, were you like, I'm dancing is going to be the thing for me? Or were you like, I want to sing, act? Like, what was it? So I grew up in LA and my, I have an older sister who's a couple years older than me. And my mom put us in dance classes just the same way. Lots of people put their yeah. kids in dance <laughs> classes or sports or anything just to see what sticks in as a babysitting tool. So, yes. <laughs> so, um, I didn't really have a, a, a moment where I decided I want to dance, but I was put into a lot of things. I was a gymnast. I was on the swim team. There's lots of things I did. And I had very distinct moments where I wanted to quit those things Mm -hmm. so badly. (laughs) And so I think I subconsciously pretty much every day of my life since I was a child and still to this day, am making the decision to dance because I'm not wanting to quit. Uh, So it's a bit of a reverse. There are a lot of people who don't grow up in LA. Same if you're, uh, whether you're a dancer, an actor or a musician or pursuing anything, you know, you graduate high school and you're like, I'm going to pack up and move and pursue my dream. And I didn't have that obviously because I grew up in LA, Mm -hmm. but I realized as an adult that really my entire life has been these micro decisions of, do I want to still do this? And Mm. It's, it's like, I mean, as, as everybody knows, the entertainment industry is brutal. It's so difficult. Mm -hmm. So to have to kind of go through that from the time you're seven years old of constantly deciding, like, am I going to keep trying this is very taxing, but, um, I feel very grateful that now, uh, my curiosity for dance has allowed me to turn it into something that was pretty unimaginable back when I was a professional dancer. And Mm -hmm. um, just for those of you who aren't familiar with my trajectory, I I danced a huge, huge part of my career was dancing for artists. So I danced for Janet Jackson and Britney Spears and Usher and Neo and Sierra and did tons and tons of music videos and award shows. And that was really like my strong suit was dancing Mm -hmm. for artists. And in that time period, you just would never, there was no opportunity to really have dance be your business, unless you were backup dancing for someone. Mm. So, um, 
Yeah, it's turned into something really wonderful, but just to wrap it around to the origin of your question there, um, because I started so young, I didn't have that moment of saying, this is what I want to do. But I did act a little bit when I was younger and I really enjoy singing and writing music, but I do it now in the context of writing music for original films that I direct and produce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think kind of the same thing where it's like, Oh, I like acting. I like singing, but it's not the same. You have to really, really love whatever lane you go down to pursue it in the entertainment industry because it's so difficult of an industry. And I don't love acting or singing that much as enough yeah. to go through the hell that it takes to, to pursue those careers. But you have dance and you're like, I would push it for dance. Yes. A hundred thousand percent. And I, I always, there are so many dancers who um, transition to acting mm-hmm. because it's the natural thing to do. I think when you are like, I want to get more respect and pay <laughs> and recognition. And I always thought like, well, if it, let's just hypothesize if dancers, actors, musicians, singers, everyone got paid the same thing, which art form would you choose? And mm-hmm. I would choose dance. And I'm very, we are the, certainly the least paid, least respected on the <laughs> rungs of the ladder. But, um, it's the thing that I love and understand most. I, 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 I know it like the back of my hand and I, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, it's the, it just takes the cake. <laughs> no. And I mean, and you're darn good at it. I think like, I think that's interesting that you bring that up. Cause I, it is true. Like, I feel like dancers are often like forgotten unless like you've reached such a caliber. And I think like backup dancers are what makes the show full. And like, you're like, Oh, this is like fully an experience. Cause I'm thinking about Janet Jackson who it's Janet mm-hmm. Jackson. So, you know, duh. And yeah, you're just like Janet Jackson can dance. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing that we're always thinking about. So I, it's, it's interesting to think about like, okay, but yes, she has also this team of dancers that like, that is the only thing that they're doing, you know? And they're like giving yeah. 110% to that all the time. And I think with social media, I think it's actually, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, cause it's, you know, not my lane, but I feel like it's also brought highlight to dancers now because you can, like, I follow several dancers on Instagram, you know? just because I like to see them dance. Like, I think, like, the way they storytell and move their bodies is incredible. And I don't think I would have really known who those people were beforehand. Does that yeah. make sense? How, how would you know? <laughs> yeah, like, how would I? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, Beyonce's um, backup dancers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they totally. are, like, their own brand. Like, <laughs> Totally. Yeah, that's, that's part of the, what I was alluding to earlier. Like, it was unimaginable when I was dancing, you know, however long ago I was dancing that you could have, I think, you know, there was a big turning point when, so you think you can dance came out because Mm. people hadn't, um, they didn't know the word choreographer. They like didn't know how to pronounce it. They didn't know what a choreographer was. (laughs) And that was such a huge turning point. And now, so like, you know, it was just so amazing when a random, you know, father of three in Idaho was like, Oh, I love that choreography on that show. And it's like, wow, the word choreography just came out of your mouth. Like that just would never happen. (laughs) And so now it's like kind of the same kind of turning point where 
people have opinion, non-dancers have opinions and feelings and thoughts like you describing the best part routine. I just, it's still new to me that a non-dancer would watch a piece of dance and have actual thoughts about it and emotional reactions because that's a dance, that's a dance class and Mm -hmm. dance classes never, how would you ever see what happens in a dance class prior to (laughs) social media and be able to like think about it and comment on it and like have a thought about it. Uh, so it's, it's really, really incredible in showing the, the most direct form of dance. When you watch Janet Jackson and the dancers, that is like a very polished, rehearsed version mm-hmm. of it. But now you see people dancing in their bedrooms and freestyling and, you know, experimenting. And it's uh, a really uh, monumental shift for how dance is a part of the general zeitgeist, I guess I would say now. And I, I think I also forget that dance is one of, like if I weren't, a dancer, like, how do I put this? Um, <laughs> I forget that not everybody's profession or art form translates well to social media. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I were a painter, maybe painting doesn't translate as well on Instagram, but dance just happened. I happen to be in a field of art that does translate well. So, mm-hmm. um, I have to, like, it, it just makes it even more, it makes me even more grateful that um like the stars have aligned and that the thing that I love to do is doing well on social media because for a lot of people it it doesn't translate well Mm -hmm. and it kind of hurts the industry for those people so very grateful that dance has become one of the most viewed things across YouTube and TikTok and Instagram I mean it's like it's we're very lucky yeah to have all the mediums to like do whatever and just kind of express yourself I think is great yeah Um, what was the first thing you ever like choreographed like professionally that was viewed by like a large audience and you're like, Oh wow. Like people are responding to my dance moves. Um, uh, so I mean, I, I choreographed tons of things in the entertainment industry, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like they're reacting to my dance moves because mm-hmm. it's, you know, like my first, I, I was an assistant choreographer from the time I was, 13 or 14, like uh, an age that's much younger than anybody, usually assistant (laughs) choreographers. So, you know, I was assisting on that 70s show and on the movie Donnie Darko and the Looney Tunes movie and all these (laughs) kinds of things when I was a kid. And then um, my first job, not as an assistant, but as my own head of department choreographer was Mm -hmm. for Hilary Duff for her tour. So (gasps) I've seen, (laughs) yeah, Hilary Duff. So I've seen, um, like that process of choreographing something and seeing an audience react in the industry setting Mm -hmm. is one thing. But then my first thing that I did on my own that I owned that wasn't for an artist that was me like knowing, Oh, these people are reacting to my choreography specifically. They're not Mm -hmm. reacting to Hillary Duff doing the choreography. Um, was a video to a song called river and it was my first class video that I ever posted my first class I ever filmed Mm -hmm. and was a heels routine and it blew up I think like to a degree that I never could have imagined or tried Mm -hmm. to accomplish even if I tried (laughs) um so it's a it's um it's a YouTube video it's from a class I taught that was a heels class and it just like went crazy crazy viral and then the next like four or five classes that I taught immediately after all of them 
all of them went, went viral. And I don't, I feel like since this is not a, a dance specific podcast, I can say that without like cringing inside because <laughs> as someone who grew up in the entertainment industry, and I think this translates, I know like certainly makeup artists feel this way. A lot of models feel this way that there's this kind of changing of the guard where people who worked their butts off to study the craft are mm-hmm. like, no, these new kids who are just blowing up on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, they don't know the craft of it. And I was (laughs) 1,000% in that boat because I had worked my whole life in the industry. And now social media was allowing dancers and choreographers to blow up for whatever, just for being viral. But so the irony is that that I had such success with that first class, but I made the conscious decision that filming class is really important for people who don't live in LA or New York or in the major hubs and they don't have access to dance classes like that. Mm -hmm. There's so much you can learn from watching a film's dance class. So it became important to me to share what happens in my classes and that's been kind of the driving force. But yeah, that the first, the first video that really was like, Oh, wow. People are associating my name with the choreography and their love of the choreography is directly related to, um, just the choreography in and of itself without it being attached to an artist that we're dancing behind or a product that we're selling in a commercial, mm. which is just so new and foreign to me. But uh, yeah, so that that's the first video. So what it, what is it like to being, to be a, a tour? Well, when you were touring and doing backup dancer dancing, what was that like? Like walk me through like what that audition process is like. How does one even break into that field? You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a unique job. So I think probably a lot of people are like, how, what do you even do? How do you make a living? Doing yeah. <laughs> so, um, firstly we have agents, dancers have agents, um, oh. who, so if you're, if you're like a really legitimately working dancer, you have a dance agent. There are mm. people who, if you don't have an agent, that means you're doing kind of the lower paying non-union, mm-hmm. more sporadic work. There's but a union? Dancing, huh? There's a union? Yes, it's the same union that reps actors. It's SAG-AFTRA. Okay. So, and that's for um, commercial industry work. And if you do theater or Broadway, then they have a different union. Um, But in Los Angeles, SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild, they they represent dancers for film, TV, commercials. So if you see La La Land, um, Mm -hmm. which I happen to be in, like we are are on a union contract to do film work like that. Mm. If you're going on tour, if it's not TV, film, commercial, or things that are covered under the Screen Actors Guild, then Mm -hmm. there is not a union to protect you. But... Mm general gist is you have an agent that agent sends you on an audition hundreds of people are at the audition (laughs) they whittle it down to the however many dancers they need and if you book the job you might start the next day you might start that night um it's pretty like shotgun very quick Mm. and um you'll rehearse for if it's a music video, you might rehearse for one day. You might rehearse for two weeks. If it's a tour, you might rehearse for three months. Oh, wow. If it's a movie, you might be rehearsing and shooting for six months. It's it's like all kind of runs the gamut. But you are basically um, a standard rehearsal day for a dancer is eight hours. So you're rehearsing for eight hours a day, and then your shoot days are probably twenty hours. Oh my 16, gosh, sixteen to twenty hours. They almost always go overtime. And um, yeah, if you're touring, you're on the road either flying or on a tour bus for months at a time. And it's, it's, um, 
uh, it's, it's amazing in the sense that, uh, I think one of the things I, I, one of the reasons I don't gravitate towards acting and singing as much is that what I realized as an adult is, Oh, not everybody uses their body for their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm so, I haven't done anything else. So I don't, once I started choreographing, I realized even as, even as a choreographer, you sit for 75% of your day. Once mm-hmm. you're done teaching the choreography, you're sitting and watching. But as the dancer, you're dan- you're on your feet, moving your body for eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, and that when you're young is great and wonderful and such a, such a different job to have than 99% of the rest of the world to be, I guess not just using your body, but expressing with your body. Yeah. Uh, that's like such a gift for dancers, but it does obviously also mean you're by the time you're 30 something, your body's like, that. <laughs> it feels like it's 60 something because yep. you've been wearing <laughs> it down. So do you remember your first tour? My first tour was for Brian McKnight. I was what? 17. Okay. Okay. I see you. Yep. It was, he, I mean, listening to that man sing live every Ooh, night girl. is a gift. <laughs> it sounds like you're a fan. I don't know. I'm right? like, I'm secretly like, you know, an 85 year old woman. So I'm like very into things that are probably above my generation. <laughs> so this is like, I feel like this will speak to me. This will speak to like my mom in the same way, like Brian McKnight, like, okay, this is a big deal. He it's he's such a master singer vocalist. Um, it's incredible to listen to that every night. Um, and and musician, he plays obviously, and it's just it was beautiful. So that was my first tour. Um, and again, again, I was I was seventeen. Most people don't. T- so I wasn't. I graduated uh, high school early and got emancipated when I was fifteen, so that I could work legally as an adult. Mm. So I typically would have to be 18 to go do that stuff. But, uh, when I was 17, that was my first tour. That's crazy. Were you excited? Were you nervous? Like, were you kind of expecting that to happen or? I was not expecting that to happen. I, that felt like definitely a, um, Hmm. A moment of now I'm officially working as an adult because I had been working as a, as a kid between the ages of 14 to 17 was really rough for me because mm-hmm. I was too young to work as an adult, didn't quite look like an adult, but was too old to work as a kid. So mm-hmm. that was like a whole almost restarting period. Mm-hmm. So that tour was like, okay, I think I'm going to start working as an adult. It was a big deal. Um, <laughs> And certainly the traveling aspect of it and not having my mom with me who would travel with me for all of my kids' work stuff. She was always there. Um, But I think also when you're 17, as an adult, when you travel, you, I I, I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody, but certainly like the way you take in the places that you go and Mm -hmm. the things you want to do when you get to a city and that kind of stuff changes as you get older. So for most dancers. I hate to say this, but I think it's true for a lot of like maybe 17 to early 20 year old dancers. It's like mostly about, okay, where can I shop when I get to this place? Or like, you know, it's just like, it's fun stuff, but you're not really taking it. I think now if I were to travel across the U S on a tour, I'd be really fascinated and interested in just the, the people there and what it's like to live in these places and what their values are and what it's like. But when you're 17, it's just like, Oh my gosh, it's my first time going to this place. And you just kind of want to 
walk around for fun and find the good places to eat. So that's, that's one of most dancers, most exciting elements of touring is Mm -hmm. where you can go shop, where you can go eat, uh, and sightseeing. It's just kind of like really exciting to look at the space needle when you go to Seattle or just like really simple (laughs) things like that. And of course, if you're going overseas, then it's a whole nother gamut, but yeah, it was, it was exciting. I think it was, I don't think I was nervous about anything aside Mm -hmm. from like logistics of how much do I pack? <laughs> or like, <laughs> am I forgetting anything? Like those kinds of things are a bit nerve wracking as it is when you travel anywhere, even mm-hmm. on vacation. But for the job itself, it, I wasn't nervous. Now, did you feel like, I guess besides besides wanting to like be like, oh, I want to know the, the people in the spaces that I visit now if I was student as adult, what is something that you wish you had known, you know, when you were younger and, and touring? Oh, man. I, oh man, I'm just thinking of so many different scenarios. I think, I think an element of that. And, and I actually, um, what I would say I was more open to, I was aware that we were stepping into different people's cultures and territories when we toured. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes what happens is you're with a camp who is not as respectful. So they might, if you're out eating at a restaurant, be talking about how gross the food is or Mm. be rude when people can't speak English in a foreign country. And I encountered that quite a bit with people that I toured with, which was pretty heartbreaking and, and like can be embarrassing as well because you're representing Americans in a different place. Um, but I would like even more so tell myself when I was younger, uh, like just an example of something I toured with a, a really big, uh, Latin, star Paulina Rubio. Mm -hmm. She's like the Kylie Minogue of kind of Mexico, I guess (laughs) I would say she's a huge, huge pop star. Mm -hmm. And we performed around Mexico at these things called palenques, which are Mm -hmm. cockfights. And in Mexico, those are really prestigious venues to perform at. And for us as Americans, we were like, why are we performing at cockfights? But I would be they were uncomfortable venues. It was like, um, yeah, I just say uncomfortable. And I would even more so tell my younger self, like, what can you learn from this? What can you learn from the people from these events? Why are these events important to people? Just, I guess, treat it more like an anthropological, like Mm -hmm. adventure of really taking in the opportunity to experience things like that when not everybody gets to experience things like that. Um, yeah, so I would just probably even more so, but it's tough when you're when you're young. When you're young. What was I guess like what you know, what was most challenging about touring and touring that young? Because seventeen, I feel like, you know, when you are seventeen, you're like, I'm old, I can do all the things. But like, <laughs> you know, what was hardest about touring so young? Um, it's it really feels like you're on an episode of a reality TV show where you have to live with people that you don't get to choose to live with. (laughs) So one person on a tour can really change the dynamic of how much everybody gets along. And Mm -hmm. when you're living on a tour bus together with people and you're just with the same people day in and day out, um, it can be a real challenge. And I'm, I really enjoy alone time and Mm -hmm. am very uh, sensitive to personalities around me. So that was one of the biggest challenges. The actual work itself is quite fun and easy. And I think like, unless you're on a tour where you're doing really, really 
back-breaking, dance, difficult, athletic work, mm-hmm. um, which is not that many tours, especially now. I think, yeah. like, back in the day, a Madonna dancer would be flipping all over the place yeah. and sliding <laughs> and do it. Like, they'd be doing really physical, hard stuff. But most dancing these days is just pretty much straight-up hip-hop choreography, which is not that taxing. Mm-hmm. So, like, the work itself is not the challenge. It's, like, the just the dynamic mentally getting through being on the road with the same people all the time. And if you think of like the Beyonce tour, whichever tour it was where there were 20 something dancers, that dynamic of that many people over such a long period of time with such condensed living quarters, that can be, that can literally be the challenge for people. Mm -hmm. It's not the job itself. It's not the choreography. It's not the traveling. It's just, uh, yeah, the, the spirit of a group. Yeah, I can, I can imagine, because I think it's just like, especially now, I think in pandemic times when you're kind of either confined to your home or like confined with like family members for a long time, I feel like yeah. people are getting that same kind of experience now. <laughs> like, yeah. we can't be around each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then if you couple on top of that, that you've all got to meet in the lobby at 7 a.m. to go mm-hmm. to the airport and, you know, five people are running late and you're like, I don't want to miss my flight for these five people. There's yeah. like, like, you're all depending on each other and mm-hmm. all affect each other's uh, travel as well. So it's like, it's, a, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I, it, it wasn't a huge, huge, huge burden for me, but that's one of the big challenges. And I know kind of across the board, a lot of dancers will say that that's one of the challenges. Now, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about being nominated for a VMA <laughs> because that would be insane. And then what are we doing? Um, what was that like to have your choreography like just be nominated? I think I think there's just like the craziness of like being recognized for something that like you you love and you're passionate about and and people being like, oh, we see it, too. <laughs> um it's a, it's, so I was nominated for a VMA for best choreography for Camila Cabello's Havana video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I never in a million years would think I would be nominated for a VMA. So it's, it's like shocking and mm-hmm. surprising. Um, but I also don't like, I'm not patting myself on the back too much because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take awards like too seriously. Obviously I didn't win it. Um, but like, you know, like even just the nomination, I don't want to take it too seriously, but, uh, it's, it's, um, the VMAs are the award that you can get nominated for as a choreographer. We don't have an Oscar, mm-hmm. you know, there's not, there aren't really, that is like the award that you try to get as a mm-hmm. choreographer. So I'm very, um, humbled and proud to be able to say it and like it's an honor just to be nominated <laughs> very I know, exciting true. I'm exciting to tell my mom <laughs> you're like mom guess what yeah <laughs> I've hit big time now um and also I mean because of the fan the type of fan that I am you got to work with Noah Centineo who I adore so very jealous of you for that um <laughs> But, I mean, choreographing a music video, especially one like that, because I think a lot of that also was that, you know, like, acting through dancing. Yeah. And um, do you enjoy that type of choreography? Because it's not as, like, cut and dry. It's a lot of, like, go with the flow. I I don't know. I I don't want to assume. But, like, because it's not exactly, like, all these strict movements. 
Yeah, it comes easier to me. Um, I certainly enjoy the final product of when I do the more cut and dry stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but the process of just making up kind of like front facing, um, synchronized choreography is a bit more difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Havana video, Camila has a choreographer who does her day-to-day choreography. Mm-hmm. So I was brought in to add that storytelling element and mm-hmm. to oversee her day-to-day choreographer and kind of mold that choreography into something that had special moments, um, push the narrative forward, was uh, a bit more like cinematic, um, worked for camera, all of that kind of stuff. So I love things like she takes the toothpick out of the guy's mouth and she pulls his suspenders off and Mm -hmm. him dipping her to the floor, like all of those kind of like little moments that um, if you were just choreographing it straightforward, quote unquote, moves wise, like just Mm -hmm. putting moves on her, you might not think to add those things. And that's what I love. So Mm. um, the process of doing a video like that is like, I just love it. I love, (laughs) love, 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 love being able to add those little things. And that, Thankfully, I was working with a director who, I mean, the director is the one who brought me onto it, who's Dave Myers, who's one of the most prolific music video directors of generations. And so it feels good to know that if I suggest, let's have her take a toothpick out of his mouth or let's have them have scarves that they're throwing or whatever, that he'll know how to capture that. Because as a choreographer, you can have all the greatest ideas in the world, but if they don't capture it right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter, if they yeah. don't edit it right, it doesn't matter. So, uh, felt very lucky that those ideas were captured properly. Now, something I always ask, uh, folk, like creatives that I interview and if they have like a particular piece of theirs that, you know, goes viral, quote unquote for the Havana video, you know, it's like, it's nominated, but do you think that is like some of your best work? No. <laughs> no, no, no. And I also want to be super real. That song was huge. So yeah. I have no doubt that, the, like the video did well and I'm sure it was nominated because partly because it was such a huge song. Yeah. That is definitely not some of my best work at all. Um, but not because <laughs> it's bad, but because that video didn't call for really amazing, incredible, like uh, robust dance mm-hmm. scenes that it was, I did what the video called for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't, uh, uh, I would say my better work is for projects where the, the dance was supposed to be more of a big deal mm-hmm. in it. So it was set up for more choreographic, uh, moments, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. So now kind of flashing now you're doing more teaching obviously, and you're directing and writing like your own films. So what yeah. made you want to like transition to that? I, I think maybe this is like an expansion of what I was saying about teaching where I feel like an outgrow is not the right word. I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. Just kind of feeling like, okay, I I love as an industry, let's say it's the Havana video. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew choreographically what I wanted to do, but I also had an opinion about things like what they were wearing, the guy having a hat, him having suspenders, the toothpick, all those kinds of things are not choreography related. Those are wardrobe notes. Those are Mm -hmm. props notes. Um, so, and I know an idea of how I would want it shot, but again, obviously I'm working with Dave Myers who would know how to shoot it. I, I naturally think beyond 
the choreography itself. I naturally mm-hmm. know exactly how I would edit the things I choreograph, exactly what I want people wearing, exactly what their hair and makeup should be. And that's, that's obviously being a director. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> when you're a choreographer and you don't have control over those things, um, and you know, you see the final edit of a music video you worked on and you're like, Oh, they butchered what we did on set. Mm-hmm. Or it just, you don't have control of the final product. I really just wanted to start feeling what it felt like to have control over all of those elements and see a final product and feel like, okay, this is presenting what the full idea was. Mm. Um, and because I really enjoy working with non dancers, as I've described in Mm -hmm. the classes, I, I love the idea of just presenting people on camera in unexpected ways. Mm. So like for the first thing that I directed that I self-produced, it's called wait for me. I did an original song for it. And, um, you were speaking about the Beyonce dancers and Ashley Everett is Beyonce's most famous dancer. Mm -hmm. And she is in that, uh, short film that I did. And I was just like, Oh, how could I, how could I reimagine seeing Ashley Everett? She's always got her curly red hair. And like, what if she were, you know, in a period piece and we have her in (laughs) 1940s or fifties, you know, dress with her Mm -hmm. hair in curls in like big barrel curls like that. Just, I love reimagining how you can present a person on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And and just being able to own every bit of something that I put out is very gratifying when you, if you choreograph a music video, you don't own the choreography that the artist or the label own the work. Mm -hmm. So I really, um, yeah, it's very gratifying to do something that top to bottom I have full ownership over. I think that's important because I, I think that is something that creatives os- often lose is their ownership over their creative work because it's done yes. in the service of others. Yes. So I, I I fully understand what you're saying when you're talking about, like, I want to own this thing from top to bottom and bring in what I want to do because I have this exact picture of what it looks like in my head and I know I can execute it. Yep. I, and I love the process of, of executing. I love being on, I love directing on set. Like I, I love mm-hmm. the process of being a director on set. It's, uh, I just love it. It's it's so <laughs> wonderful and stimulating. And every time the prep process feels like it's hell. And then the mm-hmm. shoot is like heaven <laughs> and I always end on a high and I just, I love it. Now, what, did you feel like there was um, some big differences between choreographing, like, dance and movement to directing a feature film? Or did you feel like there was, you know, lack of a better term, transferable skills? Yeah, and I, I haven't done a feature yet, but I would love to do a feature. But the transferable skills are, when you're a choreographer, you have to lead the room. You have to get people to listen to what you're saying. Um, it's it's the, as simple as... Uh, your vocal inflection, being able to project, being able to, um, like a lot of it has to do with like posture and, and voice in Mm -hmm. how you speak to a group of dancers as a choreographer. And then obviously as a director, you're speaking to everybody on the set. So there's a lot of transferable, transferable skills there just in being a leader of a department. Um, and then I think as a choreographer, I really enjoy, and I'm, quick at problem solving Mm -hmm. and directing is basically just problem solving all the time. (laughs) So that's a huge transferable skill. And, um, I think not even just a transferable skill, but an asset 
going from choreographing to directing Mm -hmm. is that you understand pacing more. You understand the composition of a shot more. You understand even in an acting scene where there is no dancing, Mm -hmm. the quote unquote choreography of where someone should stand to say this line and then how they should move to the other spot to say that line Mm -hmm. and how the actors interact, all of that. Um, if you're not a choreographer cannot come as easily. So that's, that's an asset that choreographers in general bring to the table when they transition. Um, yeah. So a lot that I imagine if I hadn't choreographed first, I would not be good at those things as a director. Now throughout all your, you know, your entire career from seven to now, is there a moment that you felt like you really grew Oh man, there's one job in particular that to this day, I apply things that I've learned from it. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was like a definite shift. Um, I, so I, I was the supervising choreographer on X factor for <laughs> the final season that it had before it got canceled. Um, and I was working under a creative director named Jamie King, who is, Oh man, he, 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 pretty much invented the term creative director for the dance industry. (laughs) He, he did, he creative directed all of Madonna's tours, Britney's biggest tours, Christina Aguilera's biggest tours. Um, like he, he is, um, pretty much like the defining creative director of the modern day Mm -hmm. tour times. And so he was creative directing X factor when, and brought me on as the supervising choreographer and, So I don't know, it's maybe 12 weeks of work and it's, it's the most, those kinds of TV shows are the most intense work that exists Mm. for a choreographer. There's nothing more grinding and intense than that. And in the span of that job, I learned more (laughs) than I can even explain from Jamie specifically. And still to this day, I, on I mean, pretty much every job I do, I'm, I'm applying things that I learned from that and from mm-hmm. him. So that was, that was the most growth. That was, now, far. do you want to, you know, mentor other, do you think like, do you think you have, you know, a gift in that area to mentor young dancers coming up? And do you have any advice for people who, you know, want to choose the same career path? I, yes. So I, um, I do. So the intensives that I mentioned when I introduced myself, the Galen hooks method intensives, those mm-hmm. are two day, uh, intensives. They're intensives in the, in the most literal sense of the word, they are intense and condensed because I know that one of the most valuable assets that anybody has is time. And mm-hmm. so in two days, I try to get the most transformation out of a person mm-hmm. that I can instead of spending like three months doing that. If we can do it in two days, let's do it in two days. Mm-hmm. So in those two days, um, there is a lot of, I would say, I would almost say it's like condensed mentoring. Um, cause they're small capacity sessions. So at the most, there are 30 people in a session, but some of them mm-hmm. have about 15 people. So every single person in the session gets really customized feedback. And then, once you do a session, you're folded into the GHM alumni community. And Mm -hmm. so that community has thousands of people from around the world who I continue to mentor, um, I guess like on a looser definition of the word, not where I'm having Mm -hmm. weekly or monthly meetings with them. But, um, for example, we did last year during 
quarantine, the VMAs were happening. And mm-hmm. so I told my alum community, let's do our version of the VMAs and call it the GHMAs for Galen Hooks Method, <laughs> the GHMAs. And so people had to submit treatments for what they would do for Billie Eilish's live performance at the VMAs. And we did a mock version of the VMAs with uh, Miley Cyrus performance and Camila Cabello performance. And so the people who had to make those mock performances were mentored by me and one of my best friends who's also a creative director. And that process of them learning what to do if they were actually choreographing an award show mm-hmm. was like invaluable to them. So one of the people that did that now is choreographing a Netflix show. Oh, and she's, cool. she's like, everything I learned on the GHMAs, I'm applying on this Netflix show. And that kind of like mentoring is pretty non-existent in our industry and mm. so to see there are there are dozens of other examples like that where a student is able to apply on a real life job something that they've learned in the intensives or in the projects we do as a community and there's like no better feeling than knowing someone got to avoid the stress <laughs> and just discomfort of not knowing what you're doing on a job because they learned it in a session or through the GHM events. So there's, I'm, it's, I'm pretty much ongoingly mentoring people all, like throughout the entire year, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great, which is great. Um, do you have any advice to, to, to dancers who want to come up? Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. So <laughs> on, on it, for someone who wants to become a professional dancer, um, I think most people, say, you know, believe in your dreams, don't let anybody doubt you, all of those kinds of bigger picture mental states. I think everybody knows, like Mm -hmm. you want to believe in yourself and you want to work hard at it. But on a very, very, very practical level, I would say no, in this day and age, um, so much of it is about relationships and networking because the hiring process is happening so much on Instagram. (laughs) So you want to know how to, um, brand yourself for lack of a better word. And I used to hate saying that, but it's really, really, Mm -hmm. really true. These days you have to know how to brand yourself, um, how to network with people and just, um, be exceptionally talented at whatever lane you're going into. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be in la la land, be great at that style of choreography. If you want to dance for Cardi B, be great at that style of choreography. If you want to do everything, get great at all of that, but you've got to be the top 10% of talent Mm -hmm. in the city to work consistently. And that takes more than just passion because everybody wants it. Mm -hmm. So when they say you've got to believe in yourself, everybody believes in themselves. They would, Mm -hmm. those 300 people at that audition wouldn't be there if they all didn't want it equally as bad. It comes down to talent at the end of the day. So you've got Mm -hmm. to, get amazing. Basically. <laughs> That's my practical answer. Get amazing guys. Get it yeah. together. <laughs> um, and so the last question, um, thank you so much for asking me, uh, talking with me this time. But the last question I ask all my guests is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Oh man, I define, Hmm. That is such a difficult question um, <laughs> nowadays because I'm being, I'm thinking about all of my students who are, <laughs> this is not to, this is, I'm thinking of all my students who are non-binary mm-hmm. and so many people who are trying to um, redefine what that means to be a woman and what womanhood is. So it's hard for me to really 
um, put my finger on it, but I would say, I would say it's having heart and it's rising above the obstacles that not everybody has to face and doing it with grace and with style really at the end of the day. No. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. Yeah. I've had all walks of life on here, so I love it. I'm still here for it. Um, Galen, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been so great talking to you. You're such a gem. Uh, (laughs) do you have anything that you want to shout out or promote before we head out? Um, if anybody does want to take any classes for me or the intensives, all the information's on my website. And again, it's fully open to anybody of any dance style. You don't have to have ever taken a dance class before to even join the beginner session. So, mm-hmm. um, I hope I see you if you do want to take something, but, um, in general dance is so powerful. And I know that so many people don't dance because they're nervous or they feel like, Oh, I just am not good enough or I used to, but I don't anymore. And if you're listening to this and you miss dancing, just put on a song and (laughs) groove around in your room and see if it brings some happiness and lightness to your day. Uh, So that's it. Awesome. I'm going to link your website in the show notes um, and y'all go watch her videos. She's incredible. Um, Thank you everybody again so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with the show and please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at pretty face lady three. And also go ahead and like the show on Facebook at more than a pretty face. Remember to rate review and subscribe the show wherever you get podcasts. Uh, And if you'd like to connect with me, please email me at pretty face women at mtapfpodcast.com and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.